Happy hour here in ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along for the Sports Pen this Tuesday afternoon. Let's jump right into it because we've got a lot to get to today, including a recap of Monday Night Football, plus the college basketball season just a few hours away from tipping off. i got some thoughts on that, and I've got some Northern Michigan audio for you. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour here in ESPN-UP. And like I said, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Let's start by recapping last night's Monday night football game, a game which the Dallas Cowboys won 37-18 over their arch rivals from New York. I tell you what, though, it couldn't have started much better for the Giants. Dak Prescott picked off on his first pass attempt. Antoine Bethay, he still got it, the ageless wonder. He picks off the pass. It was the first time that Dak has ever been picked off on his first pass attempt of a game. Unfortunately for the Giants, not much came of it. The Giants had to settle for a field goal. They took a 3-0 lead. That would kind of be the story of the night. That would come into factor especially later on in the game because the Giants found that their red zone struggles continued as they couldn't punch it in. Once they get inside the 20-yard line, they have to keep settling for field goals, and that's not the way to do it. That's what killed the Cardinals for the first like three weeks of their season because they were too conservative that they didn't want to punch it into the end zone. They settled for field goals. That would come back to bite the Giants a little bit later on. New York did respond with a really good drive, though, a really strong drive after the Cowboys tied it up at three. The Giants looked like they were dominating the Cowboys physically, mentally. They just wanted it more, it seemed like, in the first half. Golden Tate had that miraculous one-handed catch, and he's doing it for a third of the price of Odell Beckham Jr., But still, the Giants were never able to expand on that. That was about as good as it got for the Giants last night. That seemed to be when they peaked on that scoring drive in the second quarter when they went up 9 to nothing. I tell you what, though, one of the biggest turning points in the game occurred late in the first half when an unexpected guest took the field. And there is a black hat (laughs) now on the field. Halloween this past week, and a black cat is running across MetLife Stadium. (laughs) Oh, is this going to be bad for the Cowboys? If you're superstitious, a few weeks ago we were here for a Monday night football game. We had another Halloween theme. Now comes this. Maybe we need to bring the ghost back to get rid of the cat. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we should. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what are we doing here? Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane on the call on ESPN TV last night. A black cat somehow made its way into MetLife Stadium last night, and then somehow made its way onto the field. Now you heard Booger say, "Would this be bad luck for the Cowboys?" It turned out to be just the opposite. Let me give you the numbers. Before the cat made his appearance on the field last night, the Cowboys. Did not have a touchdown pass. They had one interception thrown. They were completing 57% of their passes. Dak had a quarterback rating of 23.4. They were averaging six yards per attempt with a point differential of negative six and a turnover differential of negative two. After the Black Cat appeared on the field, the Cowboys started completing 67% of their passes. So it goes from 57 to 67. Dak threw for three touchdowns and was not picked. His QER jumped from 23.4 to 95.2. They started averaging 8.2 yards per attempt. That's up 2.2. And they outscored the Giants by 25, and they won the turnover battle by 3 from that point on, after the Black Cat made its appearance. So the Black Cat turned out to make MetLife Stadium 
a better place for Cowboy fans to think about it in the 2019 season rather than a place of nightmares like it was on pace to be. I tell you what, though, looking at the cat and the stats that he put up, he ran three times, officially at three different runs. He totaled 114 yards, and he found the end zone once. So officially, that cat, whatever you want to name him, ran the ball three times for 114 yards and one score. Somebody actually calculated how far the cat ran on his three different little spurts there, so three different running attempts. That averages out to 38 yards per carry. That cat was the best player in the field at one point in the game. I tell you what, he looked like he was angry about something. Like when they zoomed in on the cat and you didn't have any kind of depth perception, no perspective, he looked a lot bigger than he was. Like if you saw just the cat and green grass, you would think, this looks like a real full-grown panther on the field. Like, it looks like he could be the Carolina Panthers mascot. I tell you what, though, they did eventually get the cat into a tunnel. It went into the crowd at one point, and you had guys running for their lives. I mean, it's a cat. It's a cat. I tell you what, it was fun. It was fun to see it, and I'm hoping what the Cowboys do going forward, they adopt that as their rally cat, I guess. The Twins did that. Do you remember that? The Minnesota Twins a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, baseball season's over. A few months ago, the Twins were playing the White Sox, and a squirrel ran onto the field. The Twins were losing at the time, and then they just blast like five home runs after that, and they made the squirrel a thing going forward. They had a rally squirrel in the clubhouse. I'm hoping that's what the Cowboys do here, but... Well, maybe not, because we saw how it ended the postseason for the Twins. I tell you what, though... It did immediately change the tide of the game for the Cowboys because in the final 52 seconds of the first half, the Cowboys scored 10 points. They got that long touchdown pass to Blake Jarwin. Cowboy tight ends are absolute nightmares for the New York Giants. Jason Witten is passing the torch to Blake Jarwin, who, by the way, all six of his career touchdown catches have come against the New York Giants, including one last night that did give the Cowboys a 10-9 lead. This is what I don't understand. This, to me, was one of the biggest turning points in the game last night. The play calling was so bad in the final two minutes or so. Daniel Jones does not need to just hang a ball in the air, heave ho to the other sideline with about 30 seconds left, and let it get returned to the giant 40-yard line. That set up the go-ahead field goal. The play calling was awful in that sense. And usually I like Pat Shermer as a play caller. But that was really bad. That was so poorly mismanaged. And I was hoping that wouldn't be what cost the Giants the game. Because, again, I do like Pat Shermer. And I think he's good for a young, developing quarterback like Daniel Jones. I think you put him with a guy like Shermer. But that was really bad. It was poorly mismanaged in the final two minutes of the first half. And it directly led to the Cowboys taking a halftime lead. So I tell you what, you go to the third quarter, the teams are trading scores. The Giants really don't have any life like they did in the second quarter. All of a sudden, they're able to get back down into Cowboy territory early in the fourth quarter with a long Saquon Barkley run. He'd been pretty quiet up to that point. And then we got a really bad no call, a pass interference no call that Pat Shermer decided to challenge, which was the right call. But I tell you what, they talked about it in the broadcast. They said this will not be overturned, even though it's pretty clear that there was contact by the defensive player before the ball got to Benny Fowler, the intended target. It was pretty clear once you slow it down. I get you, you can't make that call in real time. I get why that's tough. I don't blame the official. But here's the thing. They put in this new rule specifically because of what happened in last year's NFC Championship game, and now they don't use it. After last night's call that the Giants didn't get, 
pass interference non-calls have been overturned just five times in 52 attempts so far this year. Why are we not using this rule? If we have this new rule, Goodell was in the house. The commissioner was there. Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner, was at the game last night. He enacts a rule this offseason directly to appease one fan base, the New Orleans Saints, after what happened to last year's NFC Championship game. And then with him in the house, they don't use it. They haven't used it nearly enough all season long. This rule was little more than lip service to appease one fan base. And I don't know why we're not doing it. Replay clearly showed that was pass interference. You're reviewing a kick return, and a guy steps on the out-of-bounds line. You don't see it in real time. You go back, you look at it, and you see, no, there's no green grass between the guy's foot and the white line, so you overturn it. What's the difference with this kind of a call? I tell you what, the officials were bad last night, but they were bad both ways. I don't think that they hosed the Giants over the Cowboys and I don't think that even if they did, the Giants would have won that game or should have won that game. The officials didn't decide the game last night, but they were bad. And that play, that instance, was a microcosm of what the NFL looks like as a whole. Because we have these rules trying to benefit the game, and then we don't use them. I don't understand why that play couldn't be overturned. I really don't. I really don't. Replay showed it was clearly pass interference. I get you don't make that call in real time. There are lots of calls you don't make in real time that you go back, you see on replay. That's why we have replay. And then we don't use it. We've got the technology and we don't use it. That was a big turning point in the game last night. And it was pretty much all Cowboys after that. The Giants, again, had to settle for a field goal, settling for three once they get in the red zone. And then the Cowboys just kind of took it to them after that. So where do we go from here? How does last night's game change the NFL landscape? I'm going to tell you in a moment, but first let's update our Pick'em standings, and I'll tell you how last night's game impacted our Pick'em landscape. We're about at the midway point of the season, roughly at the midway mark, and I'm 30-15. and 15. I'm still in first place here. Ryan and Michael are both 28-17. and 17. Jake is 27-18, and 18. and then Tyree is 26-19. and 19. So first to fifth in our league, separated by just four games. How does it affect the real NFL, which you all care about? Well, I'll tell you what. Booger at one point last night's broadcast said that this Cowboy team is built for the Super Bowl. Let me amend Booger's statement. Because this Cowboy team is not built for the Super Bowl. This is just the last year that their window is open if they want to go to the Super Bowl. Because this is as good as the Cowboys are going to be for a while. And this team is not a Super Bowl team. You can't look at this Cowboy team and tell me they're ready for a Super Bowl. Because there are five teams in the NFC, not the NFL, the NFC, that are better than the Cowboys. You can't tell me that the 49ers aren't better, that the Seahawks aren't better, the Saints, the Packers, and the Vikings all aren't better than the Cowboys right now. There are 16 teams in the NFC. The Cowboys are the sixth best NFC team. They are not ready for the Super Bowl. But if there was any year for them to get there, this would be it. Because after this, their window will be closed. Dak is up for a new contract. Well, you probably got to give him a contract because you know what the quarterback position is in the NFL. You never want to get in that revolving door quarterbacks. If you got a guy that can be at least serviceable, then you got to stick with him. 
But Dak is going to want to set the QB market. He's going to want $40 million. He's already turned down 33 34 because he wants $40 million. Has he played like he's deserved it? At times. Here's the thing about Dak. He's consistent for you. He rarely will turn the ball over. Last night was an exception. Throwing that interception on his first passing attempt. He's going to be a game manager for you. You don't really trust him to go down and win a game for you. But you know that he's not going to lose it for you. He's one of those guys that has looked good when you build around him. When you put a really good offensive line in front of him and you give him good receivers. When you had that offensive line intact and when they brought Amari Cooper in from Oakland last year, that's when Dak started making his case for why he should get a max contract. That's when he started campaigning to be one of the highest, if not the highest, paid quarterbacks in football. Well, has he looked like he's deserved it when you take away his line and his receiving core? You give him moderate weapons. I don't think he has. But the thing is, you don't want to get in that revolving door of quarterbacks. And if you have somebody that's at least serviceable in in a Dak sense, one of his biggest strengths is that he won't lose a game for you. He'll take care of the ball and rarely turn it over, and that's something really hard to find in quarterbacks. That's a valuable trait. Dak's one of the best in the league in that sense. I give him credit for that. And when you have somebody like that, you probably want to lock him down. The thing is, can you afford it? No, you can't. Not with the contract you just gave Zeke, not with what you need to pay your offensive line that's making your quarterback look good, and not with what you're going to have to pay Amari Cooper, who's making your quarterback look good. Plus, you got defensive contracts that are coming up. Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch. Trying to keep this group together is going to be expensive. And it's going to be impossible. The Cowboys aren't going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to afford to pay everybody. And after this season, that Super Bowl window is going to close. This is the best team the Cowboys will have in, what, five, ten years maybe? The Cowboys drafted really well these last few years, but the price for that is you enjoy these young studs on rookie contracts. All of a sudden, you got to pay them, and you got to do it all at once. That's the price you pay for drafting well. This will be the best team that the Cowboys have in at least five years, maybe ten. And if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, they're not going to without rebuilding, without a new draft class coming in. Their Super Bowl window opened Dak's rookie year when they went 13-3. and It's going to close after this year. And they're still not a top even five team in the NFC right now. Not at the midway point in 2019. You can make the case the Giants have a more optimistic future than the Cowboys do. You can make that case. I'm not saying that that's truth. That's for certain that you need to drop everything and adopt that point of view. But you can make that case. Because the Giants do have a plan. They're building something. They've got a plan. The Cowboys have sunk everything into this year, hoping that while they can still afford to pay everybody, they're going to win a Super Bowl. And they're not going to. Because they're not even a top five team in the NFC. The Giants have some kind of plan going forward. They're slowly getting that offensive line better. They're slowly building that defense up. Trading for Leonard Williams. They have a quarterback plan in place. They've got a franchise running back. They're starting to build something. By the way, Evan Ingram, who's making his case to be... Evan Ingram's maybe not a top five tight end. Maybe he is in some people's list. Six, seven, somewhere around there. 
The Giants have got young talent, and they're not demanding massive contracts. That's the case that you can make for the Giants' future being more optimistic than the Cowboys. The Cowboys are a good team this year, and they are a better team than the Giants are this season. They deserve to win last night. But the Cowboys are not a Super Bowl team. They're not built to go to the Super Bowl, not this year, nor will they be anytime soon. Because this core that makes them not even a contender, I mean, good, we'll say they're in the upper half of the NFC, this core is not going to be together next year because they can't afford it. I tell you what, let's take a timeout. When we come back, let's turn our attention to college basketball because we tip off a new season tonight. Everybody's undefeated as we wake up this morning next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. Just a few hours away from tipping off a new season of college basketball. Actually, a few games did get underway earlier today. Baylor was playing earlier, I think. Tulsa might have been playing earlier, but the big ones are tonight, and I'm talking about the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden, where you're going to get the top four teams in the country all playing in a doubleheader. It starts at seven with third-ranked Kansas taking on fourth-ranked Duke, and then the top two teams in the country, at least in the preseason poll, will meet up tonight at 9.30 when number one Michigan State goes up against number two Kentucky. I can't wait for this night of basketball, but of course... A lot of our listeners in this area are going to be paying attention to Michigan. The Wolverines opening the season tonight at home with Appalachian State as we get our first look at the Jawan Howard era. I tell you what, Xavier Simpson might be the player of the Big Ten. I'm most excited to see how he transpires this year. I'm not saying that he's the one I'm most excited to watch because I still think that's Cassius Winston, but I think Xavier Simpson is the one I'm excited to see where he finishes at the end of the year because I think he is going to take a huge step forward and be a lights-out player for Michigan, even more than he was so last year. I think he's really going to take over this program. And then 9 o'clock tonight, Wisconsin unranked. They get a ranked team with the St. Mary's Gales, a traditional powerhouse out west. So those games, all of importance tonight, I tell you what, I can't wait. But you look around the slate of games tonight, and there are quite a few ranked teams that are in action. Seton Hall is at home. They're taking on Wagner. Louisville suddenly is in title contention again. Somehow they're ranked fifth. They're at Miami. That could actually be a pretty good game. Indiana's not ranked, but they're going to get the season going tonight. Tennessee had that tournament run last year. They open tonight. VCU, they're at home against St. Francis. you got Xavier taking on Jacksonville. Those two teams should win. Maryland ranks seventh. I'm excited to see if they indeed finish there because I'm not buying it. They're at home tonight against Holy Cross and Texas Tech, the defending national runner-ups, are taking on Eastern Illinois tonight at home. Just a few of the ranked teams that are in action tonight, but I tell you what, when you look at the Big Ten this year, it's always fun to watch in basketball. It really is. I still think the ACC is the best conference. The Big Ten might be the deepest, top to bottom, but I tell you what, if there is any team from the Big Ten who has legit title aspirations, has legit Final Four aspirations even. I still believe that's Michigan State. I still think the conference runs through East Lansing. But Michigan is my dark horse. Michigan is a team that I think should win at least two tournament games. I think they'll probably win three. I do. I have high hopes for them this year. Wisconsin, it's hard to tell. It really is. Greg Gard, you know, he's coming off a 23-win season. He's got some holes to fill. And I tell you what, Ethan Happ was such a good talent for Wisconsin. 
but there were times when he seemed to limit the offense. This year, I look for Wisconsin to be more up and down the floor, more explosive. I think this is going to be a really fun Wisconsin team to watch. I'm here for it, and I'm excited for the Big Ten. I'm here for the Big Ten. I'm ready to see what that looks like. I tell you what, we couldn't be getting it off on a better foot. With the Champions Classic tonight, I know that's what I'm going to be dialed into. And there's nobody better to get thoughts from than ESPN's Jay Billis, as he shared with us his insight on the eve of tipping off the season. Most people weren't talking about Zion Williamson until after tonight. I mean, guys like us knew it because we'd seen a lot of them, but the the general public hadn't seen a lot of Zion Williamson. And so uh, tonight was the time at the Champions Classic where he and R.J. Barrett kind of catapulted uh, onto the scene. It took a lot longer for people to catch on to John Morant of Murray State, and then he became the number two pick in the draft behind Williamson and captured everybody's imagination and all that. We're going to have that this year. Uh, it's just going to be a question of when's it going to when's it going to surface. Like Cole Anthony at at uh, North Carolina, it may be the best freshman in the country. It may be James Wiseman, the seven footer uh, from Memphis, the lefty. There are a whole bunch of great players out there. Uh, but some of them are going to have to emerge because uh, they're not yet household names, but they're going to be. Now, there's a lot that I like about that clip, mostly in the sense that we kind of had an idea who Zion Williamson would be coming into this college basketball season. We kind of knew this was going to be a stud. He has the potential to be a generational talent. We heard the name. We saw the YouTube videos. But then he got out on the floor in front of America and exceeded those expectations. He lived up to the hype. We don't really have anybody like that this year. You know, if you're a college basketball junkie, you've probably heard some of the names. You know, James Wiseman, Cole Anthony. But do we really have anybody like Zion? I don't know that we've ever had anybody like Zion, but do we have a preseason player to watch coming into this year? Again, unless you're a college basketball junkie, then you probably couldn't name multiple incoming freshman college players to watch. There's just not a lot of guys with hype around them. And I get Zion was more hyped up than really anybody that's come into the college ranks over the last few years. But there always seems to be somebody that you're excited to see come out of high school. Maybe we're just saving the hype for Bronny and Zaire Wade. But we don't really have anybody like that in this year's class. So that's what I'm most excited to see this year. Of course, I want to see my favorite team's favorite players do well, see who makes a tournament. But in that sense, I'm really excited to see who can be this year's Zion. And again, nobody's probably going to live up to Zion's level. Who will? But I want to see who's this year's stud freshman. Who's the guy that takes the college basketball world by storm? Doesn't even have to be a freshman. Who knew about John Morant before last year? I want to see somebody take the college basketball world by storm. We know what we're going to get out of Cassius Winston. Xavier Simpson, I'm, I'm high on this year. I really am. But he's fairly well-known that I think the average college basketball fan would be able to tell you who he is. I'm talking about somebody coming right out of the woodwork. Who's that going to be this year? Whether that's a freshman just out of high school, or that's a guy who's been grinding for three years and finally gets a shot as a senior. Other than the NCAA tournament, that's what I'm most excited for this year. That's the question I want answered. 
Let's take another time out. When we come back, I've got some Northern Michigan audio for you. Football, hockey, basketball next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. Here's your Sports Center update. Atlanta Hawks forward John Collins has been suspended 25 games for violating the NBA's performance-enhancing drugs policy. Collins is eligible to return December 23rd against Cleveland. And about quarterback news today, the Jaguars have named Nick Foles their starter for Week 11. Just a shame. Too bad. Thought they wanted to make the playoffs. They're just resting Minshew for the playoffs. That's what's going on. Meanwhile, the Panthers place Cam Newton on the injured reserve, ending his season. And finally, all movies and television shows that involve time travel are illegal in China. That is your Sports Center update. Glad to have you along per usual. I tell you what, today was press conference day at Northern Michigan. I've got audio for you, football, basketball, and hockey as we start to blend the sports seasons a little bit. I like this time of the year where you have multiple sports going. Let's start with football as the Cats are coming off a loss to Northwood in their most recent contest. And Coach Kyle Nystrom shared with us his thoughts from Saturday. We came out real strong right away in the game. We took the opening kickoff and, we, and and Taekwon made a big run on it. We got in really good field position. We were really good on kickoff return all day. Really good. And he's um, one of the main reasons. There's people blocking for him, but he and you don't have to hold the blocks as long for him as you do, say, if you or I were running around up there. And so we got field position right away, went right down and scored a touchdown. And then we got off the field right away on defense and went back and forth a little bit. First half was tight. You know, they, they ended up tying it up and hit another score. And then we got right into the end of the first half and, and we missed a field goal. And that, you know, that was, that one hurt because that would have put us a point down. But it was just the momentum of the, momentum of the, the moment, right? And when you don't get that, it's just, you know, it's just a missed opportunity for points because that would have put us 14-13 at half. Down by one. Oh, we missed a field goal. Um, and then the second half, I, we had to make some adjustments. They had done some things schematically that they got two plays on us that I had to fix at halftime and basically redo some of the some of the dynamics of the, the formation adjustments and the run fits. They got two plays on us for about you know ten, twelve yards each. And that you know we're just schematically not where we need to be, so I had to fix that at halftime, and then I had to go up and call it up in the box, and we came out really good on defense. We kicked off and, and told the players, you know, critical point in the game always is first two minutes, the first drive, especially if you're on defense in the second half, and so we were. And we got them in third and long, and we got them down to about their three or four-yard line, and they were third and forever. We got a good punt return out of Ryan, and we get a big first down right off the get-go, like a 15-yarder, and we get called for a personal foul. Now, we only had three penalties the whole day, so it wasn't like it was a flag for, fest for us, but it was that's a buzzkill, especially a personal foul. And so we go back to that talk, and you've heard me talk about it before, so I'm not going to you know, bore you with it. But that took us back. It was still a first down, but it took us back as far as being in the scoring zone to back outside the scoring zone and then we got to run for a minus four and we couldn't execute on that drive and um and then we were in 
you know, we were really in a in a in a tough spot for the remainder of there. You know, but simply put, in that game, you know, we played some good defense. We gave up a little vertical action here and there, but we played pretty good on defense. There were some performances that were really good. You know, if you guys want to look at the stats of the game, there were some performances that were really good, and there were some performances that we need to be better at. But I, I can't hold them to 10 points or less in today's college football. I mean, the defense is playing pretty good. We're just, we can't get points on offense. And so we're making personnel changes and, uh, and see if we can do some things. Uh, offensive line was, they played okay. They, they weren't great, but they weren't as bad as I initially thought. We were getting beat on some things in there, but we didn't. We played okay. Um, we gave up a little weight inside, so when we got bull rushed and things, we got off tilt a little bit with one of the guards. Um, but our big skill players on offense, we, we just got to grow up and get better there. And we need some help through recruiting. Because um, we used to be an 11 personnel team, and now we're into 12 and we're into 21 and, t and some 22. And with Cam out for the year, because we lost him at Permian Basin, um, we're just a little bit down there. We've got to get some players in there to help us and we got to be we got to grow up there we will and because you 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 need those fullbacks and the tight ends they gotta they gotta dominate some blocks you can't trade you got to win you got to win to get the to get the gaps created for the tailbacks and so we i didn't think we played as well as we need to to win a game at the tight end fullback spot and so we gotta we gotta come around there the quarterback spot we're not playing good uh, so we'll use Keyshawn and, and, and try to generate some you know, some life. Um, the two tailbacks, our two freshman tailbacks, they, they played pretty good. You know, would I like them to do some things different? Yeah, they're not really good on the draw with their pass or they're bouncing things when we don't need to be bouncing them. But uh, they're giving us enough, generating enough to give us a chance. And then, you know, when we threw the ball when we needed to, where we needed to, we didn't catch it as much as we needed to. Um, and then sometimes we didn't throw the ball where we needed to throw it. And so you got to be better to score points. That's college football. You know, unless you're just so dominating as a, as a football team, I don't know that you can hold anybody less than 21 points nowadays. And so any way you slice and dice it, we just can't hold anybody to 10 or less right now. So that's we scored 10 points. It's as simple as that. Kickoff. You know, the special teams continue to perform well, just aside from missing a field goal when we need it. But when you talk about the rest of it, very good. Kickoff's very good. Kickoff returns very good. Punt team's very good. And um, that's that's better than we've been since we've been here. We're, we're doing some things, you know. Antonio Howard is, is making a lot of plays for us as a redshirt freshman. He's a really good player. And, um, and so we've got to keep growing up. We'll keep... Keep coaching hard, keep developing the players that are here, keep giving them an opportunity to, to perform and get better, and then we got to recruit ones that are going to make us better too as, as we get into the recruiting season. And it's as simple as that. It's frustrating. Uh, that game was one that we really thought, you know, okay, here's one that we really got to get. And, and, and by all means, if we do the things that we can do, we can get it. But... I'll give Northwood credit. They played real well. They're very inspired. Coach Hayes has got some health problems. And um, and I really hope and with all best wishes to 
for him and some recovery medic uh, for recovery medically for him and um and they were they were on fire and they 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 made big plays and explosive plays to score points when we couldn't and it's that simple so now it's Saginaw Valley State coming to town this weekend. It'll be senior weekend. Coach had some thoughts on them as well. <laughs> Dan's old team, coached by people I've worked with. Uh, they're they're good. They got backs. You know, Ryan inherited a pretty good roster. I, I think Conklin's the best throwing quarterback in the league. I thought he was last year. It's just he doesn't get the recognition because he's not a dual threat, run around and and stuff like other quarterbacks do. So. But you want to sit there and just watch a guy technique-wise sit there and throw the ball? He's got a nice, he's got a whip on him. He can get that ball quick, and he can get it where you want to, and he's strong with the ball. And uh, the three wideouts are very good. And so they'll present, they'll present, have a big challenge for us. 17 is a very good player. Six is a very good player, um, as is their slot. Uh, so they're good there. The two tailbacks are really good. They're both returning. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they, you, if you don't get to them quick, the backs, they can hurt you. And so, and they're, they got a lot of multi-dimensional scheme-wise, so we got a lot to work on. It'll be, it'll be a big challenge. But we'll, I told the team last night, I said, you know, there's no better way to take care of your seniors. And it's been hard for our seniors. It's been very difficult for them, and they've persevered and gone through tough times, and they stay in the saddle for us. They don't spill their guts. Our kids, our players, they stay in the saddle and they and they strive to get better. Uh, we persevere and we're pretty stubborn about, you know, not bowing out and doing anything the wrong way. We we stayed we stayed a task at hand pretty well. And so the best way to take care of them on their senior day here is, is to is to fight and get a W. So um, that's what we're that's what we work on. It's no secret Northern's been plagued by injuries this year, pillage really, and it's really affected the defensive line more than any other position group. Coach shared a health report on his defensive line. We're, we're a little bit thin in the D-line right now. Um, and we're a little bit, we're running a little bit, a little bit lean in there right now inside and it shows up. The backers have been good enough to, to, to play around and, and, and get, get the ball for us and do some things, you know, so... Between Jack and and um, Austin and and Isaac, we've been able to work around that a little bit. But you know, I sure wish we were a little more thick and stout and, and heavy in there where we could hold up and generate some stuff. But we've got some freshmen and they're playing starting right now, and it's a war for them. And they're holding up mentally, so I give them a lot of credit. And it'll be fun when they're juniors. Just got to feed them and get them, you know, up to 290 instead of. 225 and 230 but we move forward and we persevere nmu head football coach kyle nystrom at his presser earlier today also a chance to talk with grandpa tony head hockey coach get his thoughts on this weekend's sweep over alabama huntsville probably offensively the best we've been in the half court um you know we score a lot off the rush and that's good um but you got to be able to wear people out and um i thought we were good in the offensive end of the game we're still struggling with um, sorting the rush, uh, picking up people with speed, and you know that's it's an area of concern, and it's an area we have to one for the betterment of our own team, but two for our opponent this week, and we got to get cleaned up by Friday. So now St. Cloud State, a one seed in the NCAA tournament last year, makes their trip to the Barry Event Center this season. 
And Northern played these guys last year. What does coach take away from last year's two meetings? They are, I don't care what their record says. Like, I just watched them. Um, they got two kids that are playing that look like first-round picks. And uh, one of them has been an All-American a couple times, and the other one's playing like one. Um, they're good. You know, I, their record, you know, you, you can't, tape doesn't lie. They're, they're going to be good. We have to play well if we're going to have success. St. Cloud has had a rough start to the season. But they're good as ever, and Coach wants his players to be aware of that. I mean, I think the human nature of a coach is, you know, you're a little ornery when you're not playing to your potential. And um, I probably would think their coach is a little bit ornery, so we got to make sure that our preparation is um, at the same level that theirs is going to be this week. Coach was happy with both of his goalies this weekend, enjoyed what he saw out of both of them, but isn't quite ready to name a starter. Of all the goals, I don't think one of them I could say you should have saved it. Um, you know, I, th I think we're just going to continue with what we're doing. Um, they both played well. Uh, at some point, I have to play one of them back-to-back, -back, you know, just to prepare, you know, bo both of them. So one weekend, my, one guy might play both, and the next weekend, the other guy might play both. Um, the danger of that, though, is the guy who doesn't play is off for two weeks. So um, right now, they're just going to keep rotating. They've played well. It's worked out, um, and, and they're, they're both uh, giving us a chance every night to win. When asked about what he needs to see in order to make that decision, Coach had this to say. I'm not going to force into that decision. I think it'll be an organic deal where, um, you know, it's just somebody plays so well, you know, that, um, you know, they get a shutout or something. And, and then, you know, and sometimes when that happens, you got somebody's number. So, you know, you play them again for that reason and then maybe the next weekend you play the other guy twice so um hey it might not be till after christmas i don't know when it's going to be but um we it's right now it's it's um it's worked out well splitting them coach talked about his special teams this weekend what he saw from them against huntsville i think one of the power play units still has some work to do i think um you get lulled into with talented players trying to pass the puck in the net and if you watch the nhl all they do is just pound the puck and recover it and pound it and recover it and pound it and deflect it and get a rebound and then they score a goal. Um, and then maybe by the third period after they've been shooting, 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 they might seem somebody for a goal. Um, I think that's what the DeMay unit does. They get it over and, and they just rip pucks, you know, whether it's Hank or Vinny or, um, or they make a couple plays down low. we got to get the other unit doing that. Um, that'll be important. And penalty kill is better. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really tested this weekend with uh, stick skill and St. Cloud and the offensive moxie and some of those things that we're going to have to be sharper than we've been to any point the last four games. Incoming freshman Jet Jungle, somebody that Northern fans were really excited to see, suffered an injury on opening weekend. Coach had an update on him. Jet had surgery. He's uh, recovering well. Um, he's still back in the uh, Twin Cities uh, recovering, and he'll um, hopefully be here this week to, to join the rest of us. He'll get a red shirt and um, get that extra year back. Northern's got some good contributions from a lot of new faces this year when you factor in Newhouse, Gantos, and company. Coach was asked about his newcomers and if they're about where they should be right now. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been thrown right in the fire. Um, you know, I think Andre, um, Andre's obviously done well, you know, in, in playing, not many freshmen play a power play and penalty kill. Um, sometimes you get to be able to do one of them. Uh, Andre's doing both. So up front, he's done a great job. And all the guys in the back end have, have played well. You know, a little bit more ice time for Sorensen and Palmer, but um, Ben Noonan's coming along, and um, Vessio's kind of getting healthy, so hopefully he can add to us too. 
So again, St. Cloud has got out to a tough start, but they're a good team, make no mistake. And this is going to be an important series when the final pairwise rankings come out. When you look at the history of the last couple of years, um, we've won 20 games each year in a row. But it's sometimes it's the ones that you don't win that cost you, and the non-conference has hurt us. And obviously we play tough opponents, and, and that's going to affect it. But this season uh, we put ourselves in a good start non-conference. We have four games left, and um, it's going to affect whether you're in or you're out. It's going to affect if you're in where you where you're in at. So um, it's it's a real it's a real challenge early in the year, especially for both teams, because it matters so much at the end. And the hard thing is, as a team, and it's not just for us. Every team gets better as the year goes, and you, the games that you play now affect what happens at the end of the year more than some games in February affected. So uh, we have to be sharp, we have to play well, and we have to give ourselves a chance to, to win the game. And, and by doing that is is being mentally engaged. We've been mentally engaged on Saturdays much better than Fridays, and it's going to take both nights this weekend to have any success against this team. Grant Petolny, Northern Michigan hockey head coach from his presser earlier today. Let's take our last time out. i got more Northern audio for you, but on the basketball side of things as they get their season started this weekend next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and get the on-demand there. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along this Tuesday afternoon. We wind down. Might cut into Will just a little bit. I apologize if so. But I tell you what, I've got some Northern Michigan basketball audio for you from both Troy Matson of the women's team and Matt Mackerzak as he gets set to lead the men for the first season. Let's start with Troy. Got a chance to talk to him. His team coming off an NCAA tournament berth and actually won a tournament game over Ashland, who they had just played in the conference championship and were defeated by. What does he take away from last year's tournament run? As a coach, does he take anything from it? I I think it's more for the players to take something because, you know, last time we were in it was in 2014 and and when you got new players coming into your program and, and going through the system, they don't understand what they're really playing for. Uh, and we were kind of fighting that for about a year or so. Uh, I knew we had the talent to make it there, but uh, the players didn't really quite understand what we were trying to do. And just to get that taste uh, in our mouth and then being successful in the tournament uh, against Ashland last year um, really has shown me uh, with our girls uh, the leadership of our upperclassmen, um, how they are approaching you know, every single day and, and getting themselves ready to play this weekend um, has been the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I've noticed. So who is Coach looking to as a returner to try and set the tone for the younger players? Well, obviously, uh, Lexi Smith and, and Jessica Schultz, you know, they're both all-conference players. Uh, and now they're going to take another step uh, in uh, being uh, the go-to people. Um, you know, Darby obviously had the ball a lot for us last year, but now Jessica can really show her true talents. Uh, she's an extremely talented center. And not just in a scoring category, but we, you know, she feeds everybody, and she's a great. Uh, she has a great understanding of the game. And then Lexi Smith has obviously been a special talent for us here. Uh, the one that's really impressed me so far is Aaron Honkala. Uh, you know, Aaron kind of got 
you know, lost some minutes last year because we had to move Darby to the four, and Aaron lost a lot of minutes. And um, Aaron has really come back extremely focused. You know, we understand her athleticism is incredible. And uh, she uh, she's made herself a better basketball player just because of the way she approaches every single day. And she's probably been my biggest, uh, my biggest thing uh, for us to be going forward. Coach spoke highly of a Marquette native, Amber Hebner, and the work that she's done this offseason. Amber's going to start for us. She, I mean, she earned it last year. Um, you know, at the end of the season when Lexi was out, um, Amber stepped in and, and uh, just played great for us uh, the last two or three games of the season and then into the tournament she played great and um, she's a big part of everything we do, her toughness, uh, her athleticism uh, and now the, the big thing that was keeping her off the court for a couple of years was her ability to shoot the basketball coming out of high school and that's all I ever told her her freshman and sophomore year, just keep shooting, keep shooting and she says, coach, all I do is shoot. I said, well, it's going to come for you and now she's a very, very good shooter and uh, so she, all her other talents uh, can step forward now and, and show that, uh, you know, you can't uh, double off of her or leave her. And she really trusts her shot, and that's really made her a better basketball player. Coach was asked about a potential starting five. Does he know who's going to be on the floor first? Uh, no, uh, because we are still dealing with injuries from last season. Um, and we're probably going to be a little bit shorthanded this weekend uh, and maybe in the minutes that some people play or even if they're able to play. Um, Liz Lutz is down at the University of Madison right now having another opinion on her ankle. She had ankle surgery in April and it hasn't gone as well as we'd like. And uh, so, and she has another appointment set up for Friday if she chooses, if she doesn't like what she hears today. Um, so that's gonna be a big blow to us not having her play 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, Michaela Kuhn, who is a freshman that you people will absolutely love in time. Is probably one of the best basketball players, athletes at a point guard position that we could recruit here out of the Green Bay area. Uh, unfortunately, she got a, a pretty serious knee injury in her last game in high school. And then uh, we uh, got her stabilized uh, in practice here. And then uh, in the Bay College, uh, we first play the game, she hurt her other knee. So she, um, she is uh, going to probably see some minutes when she gets cleared here. We think she's going to get cleared this week to play a couple of minutes, but I can't be putting her out there for 25, 30 minutes. This girl's a stud. Um, and uh, so we're you know, just waiting to see who's going to be available to us this weekend more so than not. As far as depth goes, it should be a strength for Northern this year. Oh, we got, I, I think we're 12 deep. When we're healthy, we're, we're 12 deep. We got uh, a, a young lady from Spain that transferred in from the University of Portland, uh, Elena Alex, that I recruited a couple of years ago, and she chose to go to Division One, and now has come back to us. Has had an incredible fall. Um, she will not play this weekend due to uh, some NCAA violations that happened at Portland with her um, uh, playing after season, so she has to miss two games, so she won't play for us this weekend. But she's a six-two wing that can shoot, and she's super, super long, and. Uh, is really, really is super smart and uh, just, uh, you know, she's going to be a really good basketball player. She's only a sophomore for us, so she's going to be a really good basketball player for us. So, uh, And then we have a couple other freshmen, Sam Potter out of Royal Oak. Uh, her brother actually plays football for our men's team or our football team uh, as a linebacker. Has had a, She's a really athletic and really good basketball player. So we feel like our depth is really good. Um, we'd just like to get our key players back, that's all, so that uh, they can show the leadership and try to stay away from playing as many freshmen as major, major minutes as possible, even though they're going to play a lot. Northern's had a few scrimmages with Bay College. Did they learn anything from that? Is there anything that surprised Coach? Um, I didn't play my top four players. I mean, I didn't play Lexi and Jessica and Liz obviously didn't play and then McKaylee got 
hurt right away. So they basically four of our top players did not play. So when we scrimmaged, uh, you know, I, I thought, again, Sam Potter is going to be a real special player for us as a freshman. Uh, and again, you guys are going to really like Elena Alex too. Um, she's going to be a good basketball player here. Um, you know, when you're six foot two and can shoot like she does, and and uh, she's so long and uh, super smart. Uh, uh, these are these are going to be good players that are really going to help our program a lot. Northern Michigan women's basketball head coach Troy Matson from his presser earlier today, his team opening the season this weekend. Let's end the day with some Northern Michigan men's audio, and I've got Matt Mackerzak getting set to enter his first year as the Wildcat men's basketball coach. He talked about how the preseason has gone for him. It's going well. Um, I love everything about Northern and the town, first and foremost, and the guys have been super open to um, being coached and really receptive. I think that's always a challenge in your first year is just how much everyone's going to embrace kind of the new culture, the new styles, the new message. And um, the guys have been great with all that and very open. And, um, you know, a lot of first-year coaches talk about, I, I need my guys, I need my guys. These guys already are my guys. They've done um, everything we've asked, and um, I couldn't be more happy with their kind of commitment to change, um, which I think they knew they needed. Um, not anything to do with even the coaching change. They just knew there was going to be changes anyways, and uh, they've been receptive and worked really hard this preseason. So you lose players like Naba Eccles, like Isaiah Johnson. Where does the offense come from? We have a really unique team this year entering the year because we have so many returners who've played a lot of games and won a lot of games in the league. But it's completely different when you lose the two guys that kind of made everything happen. Um, and those two guys definitely um, brought offense, but also just leadership and, and kind of at the end of games, end of shot clock, everyone knew kind of who was going to take over. Um, so we're going to need other guys to step up in, in a lot of ways, but then we're also going to need to be a different team. And we're going to need to share the ball, and we're not going to be able to go to one guy the way they have in the past. And I think uh, that's going to be probably the hardest part is not only having new guys step up, but also just a new style where the you know kind of one or two dominant players and everybody else playing off of them style, it just won't work this year. So we're going to have to kind of make two adjustments that way. Who are a few guys that are set to take the next step forward and end up playing big minutes for you this year? I think Sam and Miles, Sam Taylor and Miles Howard are both um, returners that have played a lot of minutes. But Alec and Troy are probably have a little more scoring punch to them um, and will be definitely counted on to step up and play a big role. I think Alex kind of one of the more interesting ones. Um, he was a, he started some games last year down the stretch at the power forward spot, even though he's about 6'2". Um, and this year we're actually looking at him to play a lot of point guard. I don't know how many college basketball players are, have ever played back-to-back -back college games, one at power forward, one at point guard, but he, he might be uh, the first one I've heard of in, in quite some time. So definitely two guys we're going to really need to rely on to take on bigger roles. When asked if he's starting to figure out a rotation, Coach had this to say. I think we have an idea of it. Um, I don't think it's set in stone. There's still a lot of time for guys to earn more minutes and uh, kind of change their role. But I think we have a pretty good idea of what our top eight or nine look like, at least heading into the first weekend. Um, guys, have there's been a pretty good separation in practice between kind of the top guys and, and the guys that are more off the bench. So I think we have a decent idea, uh, but it's a whole other thing when the lights come on, especially because we're going to be counting on a lot of guys, uh, new guys, and then a lot of guys in new roles. So when those lights come on, um, things could definitely change at that point. Coach talked about some of the newcomers. Who are some names that we need to know that could play big minutes for Northern this year? 
I think the two freshmen that are probably going to see the most minutes right away are Noah Parcher from Lacrosse Central and Xavier Jones from uh, Martin Luther, which is in Milwaukee. Um, I think all of our newcomers are are fairly talented, and in a lot of ways, there's not a lot of separation between them talent-wise. Those two just have had the benefit of playing on state championship teams in high school, being from some bigger schools, and I think with that, they just have a little more college-ready games. Um, they also probably have the two best um, physical statures to come in and contribute right away as freshmen. So right now, those two are probably the two that have kind of stepped up and um, should be playing some heavy minutes this weekend. Defense can be a strength for the Wildcats this season. Coach talked about his team's effort on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think, first of all, Miles is is the best defensive player I've seen at the D2 level um, in my six years there. Um, and, and it's not just his physical ability, which I think I knew about coming into it, but it's the way he communicates to teammates. It's the way he leads. Um, it's his toughness. It's his consistency with kind of his work day in and day out. Um, so obviously, anytime you have maybe the best defensive player in the conference. That's a great starting block on defense. Um, and then not only Sam, but I'd also throw Alec in the mix. Those two guys chased around a lot of the best players in the league um, last year and, and did a great job of it. So I think we have a lot of individually really talented defenders. Um, and kind of similar to offense, our, our schemes changed a little bit where we're going to be a lot more team defense-based. Um, there's going to be a lot more kind of thinking and IQ involved. And uh, they've caught on to those concepts really quickly, and I think that'll be interesting just to see when we play someone else kind of how we can apply maybe some different defensive stuff than, than what they've done in the past. So what do we get from Matt Mackerzak? Will Northern be a man team, a zone team defensively? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of man to man with probably some zone and some press mixed in. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot more. Last year they did a really good job and emphasized just kind of guarding the ball. With ours, there's going to be some more kind of changing pressures and um, some more kind of trying to dictate where the offense goes rather than just kind of as simple as just guard the ball. And with that, it, it can look a lot better if you're doing it at a high level. Um, but if you aren't you know, making the correct uh, adjustments and, and the proper reads, it can also look worse. So, it, again, it'll be interesting when we start playing kind of higher level live competition just to see how, how we adjust to all of that. Finally, Coach talked about some of the new additions to the coaching staff and the roles that they will play. Well, one of them uh, was pretty good uh, as a player here. So Naba Eccles is uh, on our staff this season um, as a student assistant. He's finishing up his degree. He's got one more semester to go. So before he goes and plays overseas, um, he's going to coach one year with us. And that's been so helpful. Um, everybody had told me how great Naba was going to be uh, as, a, as a coach because Everyone who knew him as a person knew it would be natural for him, and he's already such a talented player. And he's kind of surpassed every expectation that way, um, just with helping me kind of get a feel of the guys in Northern and, and different things involving our league. And then our other assistant is Keel Gans from uh, St. Norbert. Um, that's a program that's had a tremendous success at the Division Three level. Um, we've, we've taken a lot of concepts from them, especially defensively, um, as one of the top defenses year in and year out. And uh, it's someone I've known for a long time, and, and I think he's done a great job kind of taking hold of our defense and kind of taking the lead in that. Matt Macker, Zach, Northern Michigan men's basketball coach, getting set to start his first season with the Wildcats here in the coming days. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Until then, signing off, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UPWZ. I'm Ishpeming Marquette.